good evening, everyone. Welcome to another week of our Deep Gospel Conversations. And this one is going to be a special one because this happens right after Transfiguration Sunday and right before we go into Lent. And so this story, as we wrestle with this gospel story around the Transfiguration, I think will be really important for us as Ash Wednesday will be hitting us um, tomorrow when y'all see this, but in, in a couple of weeks for us in real time. So um, I always like to start out with introductions. So uh, for those of you who um, are new to Deep Gospel and haven't met me before, my name is Haley Eccles. I'm the Associate Director um, of Campus to City Wesley. And uh, doing these conversations is one of my favorite things about my role in uh, leading discipleship. Um, we also have Austin with us. Austin, you wanna introduce yourself? Yeah, nothing much to it. I'm Austin. Hi. That's about all. You can find him uh, playing keys or the cajon in most of our virtual gatherings. Um, and for those of you who are of age, you can find him at Posting House on some evenings <laughs> or at Target for everyone. <laughs> I'm just all around Jacksonville. <laughs> Where you are, I'll be there. Uh, Guess, would you introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Gus. I'm an intern here with CCW, and uh, I mediate slash lead the D&D uh, &D small group for uh, CCW. Thanks, Gus. And then our guest uh, this week is Amy Franks. Amy, will you introduce yourself? I'm Amy Franks. Nice to see you guys. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm the youth director at Southside, and it is an honor to be with you guys today. Well, I'm so glad to have you, and I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um, Austin, would you help center us in prayer before we get to it? Totally. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for uh, these times that we get to get together and talk about your gospel. I, it's always so exciting for me just to hear everyone's opinions and their insights about the scripture. And it always is a, a great experience for me to just learn from this. And God, I pray that all of us in this space, those who are talking in this Zoom and those who are tuning in, would just be able to learn from this and that we'd be called to just think even deeper on these scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as I said, our scripture is the story of the transfiguration from the gospel of Mark, because we have been going through Mark. Um, and so it's Mark chapter nine, verses two through nine. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to him Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. 
Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. This is the scripture we're wrestling with this evening. Thanks uh, to God for this scripture. I don't know if y'all heard that. It was a huge motorcycle that just went by. Um, Gus, would you start us off? We always start off with the things we liked and kind of uh, the things that resonate with us in the text. So if you'll um, start us off. Yeah, uh, I actually liked um, how Peter didn't really know how to respond at first. Um, and his intuition reaction was like, oh, let's build a shrine to you guys because that's what we do, right? Uh, it's sort of like how everybody else kind of reacts to things. It's like, I, I don't know how to react to this situation. I don't, I think I would be Peter in that case. I'm like, uh, shrine. That's what I, that's what I liked about those. Thanks, Gus. Um, Amy, what about you? What did you like? Well, I like what you were saying, Gus, because when you read this, I love how this from the cloud, God speaks to them. This is my son <laughs> who I love. Listen to him. Like, don't we all want that in our lives? That like audible voice, like, listen up, this is important. And I feel like God saying that uh, right there out loud where they could all hear, that's what we want every day. And I, and you know that that's what the scripture is, but in this moment, it's audible, it's amazing. And I just love that part. Oh, and this is part of the reason why I love these conversations because the things we like can be taken from, from so many different angles. And so, um, Gus, you highlighting the reaction to something so amazing and terrifying. And then Amy, you highlighting just that amazingness and, and the, the affirmation even behind it. Um, it just helps us to see all the different things. Um, Austin, what about you? What layer do you have to add? I'm, I'm kind of with Gus here with like Peter's reaction, but I'm kind of thinking of a second layer as this is happening. But I, I love how like he goes up there and he's just like, uh, um, everyone's glowing. Um, yeah, shrine. I guess that's good. I'll set up this stuff. What can I do? What can I, how can I serve this? And then like dip out. But then like in the end, what the call is, is like, this is my son. Listen to him. So like, he's kind of inviting him to be a part of that and like to be up there listening to what Jesus has to say. So I really like that part. One in like Peter's, willingness to serve of course but two also in kind of the answer at the end or the call by god saying listen to him like listen be a part of it you aren't like just serving and dipping out but yeah there's just a lot there and it'd be a scary very holy experience to be a part of yeah i think it's it's interesting because the reaction of peter is something where we see in the text this isn't this isn't the right reaction. I mean, this isn't really how he's supposed to react, but it's not something he's rebuked for either, that there's some sort of amazing um, courage it takes to, in this moment of terror, still seek relationship with Jesus. Um, and there's something beautiful about that, that even if it's wrong, even if that's not how he should have reacted, that he's not... Um, 
bad or lesser than for just doing the only thing he knew how to do in the moment, which is like, I, let's make y'all something comfortable <laughs> while we're up here, you know? Um, for me, I think what I liked just goes more to the character of God that I think is revealed in this particular passage, which is that part of Jesus, um, relational nature is the desire to really be known by the people who are closest to him. That just the fact that he takes up his um, three, you know, closest disciples and wants them to be able to fully see him for who he is um, and reveals to them maybe more than they can handle in the moment, but something that he's built up trust and relationship where they need to know that he's not just another guy is not just some guy that like called them from the boats that he is God. And so in this like holy moment, we also see this um, thing that I believe to be so true about Jesus that, um, that he wants close relationship with us um, where he is still fully God in those moments that he's not being any less than who he is. And so there's something amazing about the closeness he has uh, formed with these disciples to be able to finally show them, like, I'm going to um, not transform myself into something I'm not, but transfigure myself so that the outside matches what my full nature is. Um, so yeah, so much in this text, so many amazing things. Um, and for this time around, our likes aren't necessarily hugely warming because we can't really, um, really situate ourselves into the, the terror and awe of this text as we kind of, um, figure out what mysteries it has for us. I think the challenges are probably more. Um, so Amy, I'm interested to hear what challenged you as you were reading these verses. Well, the very last um, sentence is, as they were coming down the mountain, he says, I want you to not tell anyone until you've seen the Son of Man rise from the dead. So I just had a couple students get baptized um, this past weekend, and they are out of their minds, excited. Like, they want to tell everybody. They're just on fire. I can't get off the phone with them. I'm so pumped. They got me pumped. Like, we're, you know, we're just like, Whoo! Jesus, he's doing all these amazing things. I can only imagine if we're on the mountain, you know, we're experiencing all of that. And he's like, and I want you to keep this to yourselves. You know, like, I, I, I got to go out and tell somebody like, this is, this is amazing. And it, there's something more going on here. Um, you know, he's, he still has work to do. He is teaching them that, you know, that he is going to suffer still. I mean, there's so much wrapped up in that one sentence. Um, but it's, it's like a little like, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it does bring up so many questions about why now there's so much more of his ministry to do. There's, I mean, at least within Mark, we've got another, uh, seven chapters, um, that are going to happen. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where someone's told you a secret that they're going to reveal to other people in an amount of time. 
And if they tell it to you too early, it's like, why do I have to sit on this? Like good news. Like when my sister found out she was pregnant and I wanted to tell my husband, but she's like, well, I've got to tell my husband first. So I'm like waiting to find out if she's told him yet kind of thing so that I can tell my husband. So things like that, it just makes you wonder what, um, what was important about this moment for that to be revealed and then for them to have to hold on to that. Um, Austin, what about you? What challenged you? So what I wrote down for my challenge was the same thing, uh, was the not telling anyone part. Cause I mean, I, I was feeling that I was the character, Peter or John, I was one of them in this moment. And just thinking of experiencing this, I'm like, I, I feel like as I'm experiencing this, as this mountaintop experience is happening, I'm just thinking, oh my God, I got to tell this person when I get back there, I'm going to believe this. Like, this is insane. So it was very, my mind's very similar to that. Um, just and that being challenging, which is a, a first for me is that not being a scriptural, scriptural, I can't say it, challenge where I'm like, this doesn't resonate with my theology and more so like a man of values in that person's shoes, like I couldn't do it. But I really like what you brought up, Haley, about like it, the actual situations of like someone like being pregnant and wanting to withhold that and kind of the power within that person's experience, them having the power to tell the story or to tell people when they can say the story. Because sometimes timing really is impactful. And we see Jesus as this very thoughtful, emotional person who knows the power in this timing and this very politicized, very uh, crazy time um, in history where he's like, I, when I'm saying these things, like I need to say it at this time because it's going to be more impactful than, so I, I definitely see it as like, yeah, Jesus had a reason for it. He wanted his timing to happen the way it did, or else it may have not turned out the same way, but I mean, it's Jesus. So it probably would have, but still, I think it's really interesting and uh, really frustrating that uh, Peter and them had to hold that secret. Yeah. And, um, I think on our last episode of Deep Gospel, we talked about how Peter in that scripture, it talks about him having a father-in-law, which means that he was married. So that means he, like he had like a wife, like somebody he's like really close to who he's like, you know, sharing a life with and not knowing this really intimate experience. And it also just makes me wonder so much about when you have a secret like this, how it can build up within you and what it feels like, like where did that knowledge go on Saturday after the crucifixion? Like what did this secret mean to them on that day? Did they talk about it? <laughs> you know, did, were they convincing themselves that they all had like a fever dream? Like, I just, I'm so curious about that. It's another question I have. Um, my challenge is going to be with a uh, human nature thing. So the thing that y'all liked that Peter was like wanting to build the tents. Um, this is something I feel like is illustrative of a thing in human nature that we need to work on. And that is sometimes we struggle to just be present in the awe of God without feeling like 
we need to do something or we need to like get to work on about something. And that's not to say that there's not kingdom work to be done, but there is something deeply important about meditative time in the presence of God, about cultivating the ability to listen to God's voice. Um, and throughout our community, we've just finished um, a series where we've been talking about a book called Life of the Beloved. And there's a whole chapter um, in that about blessings that talks specifically about cultivating our ability to hear God's voice. And a lot of it has to do with resisting that urge to put our hands to the work so that we can put our thought and mind um, to the presence with God and that that is work. It's just a different kind of work and it's not a work that comes very naturally to me um, and something that has to be cultivated. And I think um, even in the midst of this passage that this is a pause in, in ministry of just a work of presence that tells us a little something about um, our need to have those types of rhythms in our own spiritual lives. Um, so my challenge is just like, how do I listen and not like immediately rush to the, let me do something I know how to do and just try to contain the awe that I know how to contain and miss out on the fullness of it. Um, guess what challenged you? My, my challenge is more so of like beforehand of this, um, that we're seeing and it's that, it's just Peter, James, and John, and not the rest of the 12 disciples. Like what's, this could just be my lack of knowledge here, but my challenge is why just these guys? Why not the rest of the disciples? What sets them out? Like I know Peter plays a large role as a disciple because Peter's kind of like the brown noser of the group. He sort of tries to be the teacher's pet, um, with the disciples but um that's mostly like my challenge is just why not the rest of them what sets these guys apart and what are the others down below thinking uh, what are they sitting there like oh why why couldn't i go up there with um the rabbi why couldn't i uh do this could that have caused judah to want to like snap and go uh get him arrested and ultimately crucified that's just what I am challenging with is like these before and off, um, I'm going to use theater terms here, beforehand and off stage uh, situations. But yeah, that's my challenge. I love that. I love thinking about just the context, the other characters, um, where they're at and how, um, how it could feel lonely at the bottom when you know that Jesus is at the top with a, with a select few. Um, and that is a good, an interesting thing to ponder and to ponder if we're where we feel like we are sometimes. <clears throat> um, from our challenges, we like to move into those, those places where we've wrestled with the text and we found the blessing within it and the good news within it. Um, and we call them our gospel implications. So Austin, I'm going to ask you to go first and share your gospel implication. Yeah. Um, Haley, I love your challenge because your challenge like 
leans directly into the gospel implication, or at least I, I see it as that of being like the struggle between like wanting to do and wanting to act and fix and correct. And like we see Peter doing uh, in that moment. And then we see here God saying like, this is, this is my son who I dearly love. Listen, like, listen, listen to him. And you're talking about how like sitting in the moment and listening is like sometimes what we need to do instead of just acting. And we don't hear God saying like, this is my son who I dearly love, fix yourself. Or like, this is my son who I, I dearly love, repent. Like we, we don't, we, that's not what we're you're hearing in this moment. We're hearing, listen, like, listen to Jesus, listen to me. Um, and listening is a very intentional, very, sometimes very still thing. I know for me, when I am listening to my fullest, I am, it takes a lot of presence. It takes a lot of me just kind of sitting and being diligent on processing the person's words or like when you read you're reading through each word and like you're you're thinking on each word like uh like so i i see this this implication being like directly correlated with that challenge that you brought up which is like sometimes it's not about preparing all those things sometimes we do need to like let go and be like work is going to get done sometimes we have to just listen sometimes in that we gain the knowledge we need to gain on the way forward the way we're we're going or even just the affirmation we need to hear about the things we've done in the past up to this point um so it doesn't always have to be correctional it doesn't always have to be getting better sometimes it can just be sit in this moment you are good you have done good and you will be good. And like, that's, that's kind of what I hear in this. Thanks, Austin. Yeah, I really, I appreciate that reflection um, on those key words. And I think, I think my gospel implication, well, first of all, I had a really hard time coming up with one gospel implication. Like, there are layers. <laughs> There's so many layers to what's happening here. Um, and so I think that's just a good reminder that um, we can wrestle with a text for a long time and there can still be more and more blessings there for us. It's worth going back to again and again, especially as we continue to grow and change. Um, for me, the thing that stuck with me the most is what it really means that Jesus is transfigured and not transformed in this passage. And it comes to what I find an incredible blessing that I do not need to be God. <laughs> there are so many times where I think some of the, the harm in theology and theological work that has been done has been done in a sense where humans are supposed to be some sort of God for other people. And that's where we've seen some really harmful theologies come. Um, and this text specifically says, Jesus is God, y'all need to be transformed by him, but you will never be able to be transfigured like him. Um, 
And so there is good news in the fact that one, I don't have to be God. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. Um, and yet that God desires relationship and transformation for me. And that it's in the process of that listening, drawing near, um, ignoring those impulses <laughs> that I have um, to try to create something when I just need to be in the presence of the creator um, where I can really derive um, the deepest sense of who I am called to be, um, as a beloved, uh, child of God, and also as someone who is being transformed to do God's work in the world. Um, so that was my gospel implication. Um, Gus, what about you? What was your gospel implication? Uh, my gospel implication I'm still trying to figure out how to word it per se. Um, so what I'm about to say is probably gonna sound like a little bit more word vomit than anything. <laughs> um, but it's essentially the whole like thing about the challenge that um, Austin and Amy had. And I think Haley, you had a similar uh, challenge where it was wanting to go tell people but couldn't because uh, they said not to. And this is just in like the literal sense of what could happen if they did. And that was, they were already like had the police watching them like, hey, don't say anything. You might, you might get executed. They were already on the fence with that. They were to start going around um, saying, we saw Elijah and Moses standing with Jesus and then God came, they would be up there with him. And then who would be there to prophesy? Who would be there to spread the word? Who would be there to... Uh, tell Jesus's story to the world and that's what I think like not what this verse means but that's something that um, what I think of when um, he says don't tell anyone it's not like trying to like put a challenge on them and like test their strength it's literally like for their safety so what I think from this whole word vomiting what I'm trying to say is that my implications is that sometimes God gives us things and um, they are for our benefit and sometimes those things are stuff that we don't necessarily need to go out and start telling everybody in the world um, and that's sometimes okay we don't have to go yelling about everything in our lives uh, if that made sense <laughs> I think it absolutely does. And I think especially in the context of testimony and what God does for us, sometimes I feel like we use it as a time to really shame ourselves in front of people and spend so much time on the before part of like, man, I was such a horrible person that we kind of like forget like, but God is amazing. And it sounds like the Sometimes we might be doing things that are actually like not for our benefit because we aren't just sharing like the good news part. I don't know if y'all have ever like heard one of those like cry night type sessions when you were in like youth and people overshare a lot of times in the midst of those. I'm sure Amy, you've been in some of those before where you're like, I'm so glad God has done all those things for you. Let's also talk about like some boundaries. <laughs> um, and some ways to like make things safe for you. That's just a very interesting reflection. And I can think of some practical applications to it. So 
Um, Amy, what about you? What is your gospel implication? Oh man, I love everything that y'all have shared. Um, I think about, you know, these three guys, Peter, James, and John, these are good Jewish men. Like, and the whole story is, this is a whole new era that he's introducing to them. Cause I think, I forget which one of you said, um, we kind of fall back onto what we know and to old patterns. And I think to myself, like, it's what you know that you fall back on. And Jesus like, this is something new. And um, so I love that. I love that he is like, this is all new. And I love that your analogy, Haley, about the transformation versus transfiguration, because I did a study a few years back on um, Moses and Moses, he was glowing when he met with God on, on Mount Sinai. He, um, but no one else can radiate from within except for God, right? He's the only one that can do this. And I just think of this, it's like this whole new old covenant, new covenant, old ways, new ways. Like he's like, this is all new people. And it's, mind-blowing but it's what the gospel is god you know he has come to create a way for us right to be reconciled with god that's what he's saying he is saying it at this moment this is all new everything else in the past is old and now you can come straight to god through me so it's it's an amazing moment um just for gospel implications like you call it I really appreciate that, Amy, because I feel like that takes us to kind of the crux of what we would call like a capital G gospel in, you know, God's relational pursuit of us, but also in God being God with us. Um, and then, of course, even the hint towards um, death and resurrection, where we see this really good news of God um, descending to the dead, of conquering sin, of kind of healing that brokenness, all in this hinted at in this one awe-inspiring and terrifying moment. Um, and so, yeah, I I think that it's important that while we do think about all of these bits of good news that we also are taken back to kind of that gospel story that we rely on. So thank you for bringing us there. Um, friends, I am so glad we've gotten to talk through this text. I love all of y'all's perspectives uh, and they aren't the only ones. So for people who've been watching, uh, hopefully you've been adding some of your um, thoughts uh, and can help take these conversations even deeper. Um, Amy, I'm going to ask you to close us in a word of prayer. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, we love what you reveal to us in your word. I just love it, Lord, that you're saying, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. So Lord, I just pray that you would help us each individually and um, to encourage one another to listen to you, Lord, to turn to your word, to study you in this, um, this incredible story where we... Um, where we see your holiness just oozing out of you. So Lord, thanks for this time. Thanks um, for this platform online. Thank you for um, Haley and Austin and Gus leading us. And I just pray that you would, uh, yeah, just bless our time. Lord, bless these words that we had today that they may bless others. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. And I just pray 
God's blessing on you as you go uh, down the mountain and into wherever God will take you. So um, blessings, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Deep Gospel. Deep Gospel is a weekly conversation and ministry of Campus to City Wesley, a multi-site campus ministry serving college-age young adults in Northeast Florida. To find out more about worship gatherings and other ways to connect to our community, check out campustocity.org. You can also support us by becoming a Patreon supporter. Until next time, blessings.